Good afternoon, everyone. You can remain seated, but let's just begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. While he was still a long way off, the Father caught sight of his Son and was filled with compassion. He ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. Fathers, we come before you on this wonderful feast day of Divine Mercy Sunday. I just ask that you anoint me, your priest, to speak the words that your people long to hear. That through your promise to Sister Faustina, that any priest that would speak on your behalf would be blessed to allow people to know of the great mercy of our God. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So how many of you know of the Eucharistic Revival? Have you heard of this yet? Okay, a couple of you have. So the, 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 we're going to do a three-year Eucharistic Revival. We've already been in the first year of it, but the reason you don't know about it is because the first year was just to get all of the, the priests, the diocese, people that are really involved in, in all of that, focused on a plan for their own diocese of what they're doing. So we've been meditating on that ourselves. I've given this Divine Mercy talk four years in a row, and every year I, I pick a different theme depending on what the year is, and so I chose to focus on the Eucharist uh, since we're entering into this Eucharistic revival. I like to always begin just to tell people about Divine Mercy Sunday and about the special graces that we are to receive on this day. So Sister Faust Jesus tells Sister Faustina to run throughout the whole world and tell them of my infinite mercy. If sinners recite this chaplet only once in their lives, they will be saved. Tell priests that hardened sinners will crumble beneath their words when they speak of my mercy. So I'm just trusting that God's going to work through me because of this promise. I will give them wonderful powers, and we will touch the hearts to which they will speak. So Jesus will touch your hearts through this talk today. There's a conversation. So Sister Faustina, when she had this, uh, when Jesus began to appear to her, she began writing in her diary. And when I was in the seminary, the, the diary was given to me a number of times. Now, if you haven't had her diary, it's about this thick. So it's a pretty big book, and it looks, it looks kind of intimidating to read. In the seminary, you have a lot of reading that you have to do, so much so that the, the teachers, one of them, Father Tasco, would say, this will be your 3 a.m. reading. You know, 3 in the morning when you're still reading, this will be what you do then. So you have a lot to read in the seminary. And so I kept thinking, I don't have time to read this now, and I, don't have, I would get another copy, I don't have time to read this now. And you would think I would get the hint right after a while if four different people gave me a copy of this diary that maybe I should read it. But I put all of those on my shelf until I was ordained. And I still didn't read them my first few years of ordination until some years ago there was a year for mercy. Do you remember the year that we had the year of mercy? That's when I read the diary of, of St. Faustina and forever changed my own, my own understanding of God's mercy. You know me because I have this love of the prodigal father. Sister Faustina helped me to see through, through Jesus' revelation that he is a merciful father. 
He just wants us to share in his love. And the more that we can trust in this love, the more that, that he will save us. So in a conversation she had with God about a despairing soul, Jesus said, O soul, steeped in darkness, do not despair. So maybe this is you right now. O soul, seeped in darkness, do not despair. All is not yet lost. Come and confide in your God, who is love and mercy. But the soul, deaf to even this appeal, wraps itself in darkness. Jesus calls out again, my child, listen to the voice of the merciful Father. I hope you will do that with me today. Listen to the voice of the merciful Father. He goes on to tell Sister Faustina in a, a series of, of revelations and apparitions to her, my daughter, tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. So he wanted her to tell the entire world about this. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge and a shelter for all souls. So this, is, this feast day is a refuge for us, a shelter. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open, and I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach, who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession, receive Holy Communion, shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. This is Jesus talking to Faustina. He's telling her that the soul that comes to confession will receive complete forgiveness of sins and all its punishments. In the church, we've had a long-standing tradition of indulgences. And sometimes I'm even afraid to say the word because there's some negative connotations with it. And people think, why do we need indulgences? Why do we have them? Um, and why do we have to, you know, earn something from God? I think of an indulgence as God, like a father. When you think of parents indulging their children, they're, they're giving them gifts. They're indulging in them. And so God is indulging us on this Feast of Divine Mercy. He's giving us a wonderful gift, and it's not anything that we earn. All we have to do is approach him. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which graces flow are opened. Let no soul draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be scarlet red, like this. My mercy is so great that no mind, let it be of man or angel, will be able to fathom it through all eternity. Everything that exists has come forth from the most tender depth of my mercy. Everything, all of this world, all of your lives, all of your family, your work, all of it has come forth from the depths of God's mercy and the gifts that he wants to give to you. Every soul in its relation to me will contemplate my love and mercy throughout eternity. So what we're doing today, we will contemplate his love and his mercy for us. That's going to be heaven. Just experiencing God's love and tender mercy, this prodigal father who loves us so much. The feast of this mercy has emerged from my depths of tenderness. It is my desire that it be solemnly celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. So that's today, first Sunday after Easter. Mankind will not have peace until it turns to the fount of my mercy. And 
people say to me all the time, well, I don't, why do I have to go to confession? I don't want to go to confession. I don't need to go to confession. He's giving us his, this wonderful opportunity for peace. I know for myself, there's many times in my li life where I've sinned or sin. And yes, I go to God and I ask for his forgiveness. I don't truly feel peace until I go to confession. When I go to confession and I hear those words of absolution and I've spoken those horrible things out loud, I then feel his peace and the fount of his mercy. Jesus reveals that it pains God, our Father, so much when we don't trust him and experience him as merciful. So it pains God when we, when we don't trust that he's going to be merciful to us. So why am I here today at St. Matthias speaking about Divine Mercy Sunday? Well, for one, I'm a priest. So uh, Jesus asked the priest to preach about mercy and told them that he will give them the words to say. So I'm here just very humbly because I believe that. I believe in Jesus. And I very much so believe in his divine mercy. I have read the book, by the way, a number of times. And uh, I reread the journal uh, frequently, but especially as I prepare for talks like this, it's just so good for me as I, I read through it again and my heart just, just lifts. It's such a wonderful message that he's given to us. I've also been privileged as a priest to sit in what is called the front row, front row seat of the theater of God's grace. I get to sit in the front row seat of God absolving sinners. I get to sit right before a penitent that comes before me and I watch as their face turns from pain and anguish and shame into tears and joy and love and hope. So two tips that I like to give about confession are don't be afraid to confess even the deepest, darkest sin that you have. And maybe you've, hopefully you've been to confession, but if you, if you haven't, or the next time you go, think about that. Is there, is there anything in my life that is deep and dark that I haven't fully confessed? Because when we fully confess it, we will experience God's unconditional love. The second thing is that there's no unforgivable sin. There's no sin that you can't come in there and say, Father, I did this. There's no time a priest will, will say to you, I can't forgive that sin. We've been given the power to forgive sins. So the extraordinary year of mercy was back in 2015. And on that uh, solemnity, when our Holy Father rele released Misericordia Voltus, which is the face of mercy, he said, Jesus is the face of the Father's mercy. And in his light, he's merciful like the Father. And so the motto that he chose for that jubilee year was, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Notice that we have to be merciful too. We have to forgive anyone that's hurt us in life. We have to be gentle and tender with the people that we encounter, and we have to be merciful. Now, this mercy will come out of our experience of God's love and mercy for us. 
So finally, going back to the first time that I read that diary, I read it over and over again. Over and over, Jesus revealing the love of the merciful Father. And over and over again saying, the more you trust me, the more you trust in my mercy, the more you will be saved. Really, if we ever doubt that God could forgive our sins or even the reality of some sin that we can't let go of, when you read the diary, it makes it all go away because his love is so good. He does say that no soul will be justified until it turns, with me, turns to confidence to my mercy. And this is why priests are to tell everyone about my great and unfathomable mercy, that we must go to him in mercy. He says that we will either meet him in mercy or we will meet him in justice. Jesus told, told Faustina one time, my daughter, do you think that you have written enough about mercy? Remember the book's this big? What you have written is but a drop in the ocean of my mercy. I am love and mercy itself. There is no misery that could be a match for my mercy. Neither will misery exhaust it because as it is, it has been granted, it increases. The soul that trusts in my mercy is most fortunate because I myself will take care of it. So we trust in his mercy. When she was on retreat, he said to her, in this retreat I am giving you not only peace, but also such a disposition of soul that even if you wanted to experience uneasiness, you couldn't do so. My love has taken possession of your soul, and I want you to be confirmed in it. Bring your ear close to my heart, forget everything else, and meditate upon my wondrous mercy. My love will give you strength and courage you need in these matters. Wouldn't that be nice to experience? God's doing that to us, taking away every uneasiness that could be so, so that we can just rest in his mercy. How do we, how do we come about this? Well, another time he says to her, he says, act like a beggar who does not back down when he doesn't get alms that he asked for but that offers thanks even more fervently. You too should not back away and say that you are not worthy of receiving greater graces when I give them to you. I know you are unworthy. I know you are unworthy. But rejoice in all that takes as many treasures from my heart as you can carry, for then you will please me more. And I tell you one more thing. Take these graces not only for yourself, but also for others. That is, encourage the souls with whom you come into contact with to trust in my infinite mercy. He wants you to become missionaries of mercy. Oh, how I love these souls who have complete confidence in me. I will do everything for them. And then before I go into the Eucharist part, just the, the, the final phrase I want to say from the diary the graces of my mercy are drawn by the means of one vessel. So how do we get the graces of this mercy? He says it's one vessel only, and that vessel is trust. The more a soul trusts, the more it will receive. And we all know that it, it's at the bottom of every painting of uh, the divine mercy is often, Jesus, I trust in you. 
And so we can say that to ourselves, to Jesus, all day long. Jesus, I trust in you. No matter what's going on, Jesus, I trust in you. To trust in his mercy. So now to talk about the Eucharist from the diary particularly. There are two distinctive rays that you see coming from the image. The Lord Jesus, when asked about the meaning, so she even said, what, what, what do these rays mean? He explained, the pale ray stands for the water which makes the soul righteous. Happy is the one who will dwell in their shelter. The red ray stands for the blood which is the life of souls. Happy is the one who will dwell in their shelter. So we have these two rays coming from him. The, the white being the water and the red being his precious blood. And just as he was struck by a spear on Good Friday and blood and water poured forth from his side, through this image of divine mercy, blood and water poured forth upon us. The sacrament of baptism and penance purify the soul, so that's the white ray, the, the water ray, that's the sacrament of baptism and penance. They purify the soul, and the red is the Eucharist, most abundantly nourishes it. So we need both of these rays in our lives. We need to be purified, and we need to be nourished by our Lord. Thus, the two rays signify the holy sacraments and all the graces of the Holy Spirit, whose biblical symbol is water, as well as the new covenant of God with men in the blood of Christ. So he's weaving together even the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant, the water and the blood. Sister Faustina talked about every morning during her meditation. So as nuns, the first thing they would do, they would wake up and they would do their morning meditation. And she said, I would prepare for the whole day's struggle. You ever have days like that where you just know it's going to be a struggle? She suffered greatly, Sister Faustina. Holy Communion assures me that I will win the victory, and so it is. I fear the day when I do not receive Holy Communion. This bread of the strong gives me all the strength I need to carry out my mission and the courage to do whatever the Lord asks of me. The courage and the strength that are in, are in me are not of me, but him who lives in me. It is the Eucharist. And so that's why it's so important that we not only receive Sunday Eucharist, and that gives us the strength for the, the, the week, but we're given the opportunity to receive daily Eucharist, our daily bread. And that's our strength. He's our strength. She says, oh, my Jesus, the misunderstandings are so great. Sometimes were it not for the Eucharist, I would not have the courage to go any further along the way you have marked out for me. That's coming from a saint. The misunderstandings I have of you are so great. If it weren't for the Eucharist, how could I keep walking this journey of faith? We rely on our, our Lord and the Eucharist. She talks about her one trusted friend in whom she can confide everything. And who is that friend? Jesus. How does she confide in him? Two ways, she says. One, the Eucharist. And two, his representative, my confessor. So to have the Eucharist and to have the sacrament of confession available. My daughter, in this meditation, consider the love of your neighbor 
Is your love for your neighbor guided by my love? Do you pray for your enemies? Do you wish well to those who have, or in another way, caused you sorrow or offended you? Think about that. Is there anybody in your life right now that has caused you sorrow or offended you? Do we pray for them? Do we wish them well? Know that whatever good you do to any soul, I accept it as if you had done it to me. Later on, she says, Oh, Jesus, my love, you know that it has only been for a short while that I have acted toward my neighbor, guided solely by your love. So her whole life, she's not been acting in this way that God wants us all to act. She says, It's only been a short while since I've started acting towards my neighbor in the way that you want me to act. That gives me great comfort because it's not too late, right? If we're not loving our neighbor, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our beloved body of Christ here at the church, we can start today. She does say that you alone know of my efforts to do this. It comes to me more easily now, but if you yourself did not kindle that love in my soul, I would not be able to preserve it. This is due to your Eucharistic love, which daily sets me on fire. So we can think of that when we come to Mass. When we receive the Eucharist, can this please, Jesus, when I receive you, set me on fire and help me to love even those that are so difficult to love? One evening, as I entered my cell, she says, I saw the Lord Jesus exposed in the monstrance, in the monstrance under the open sky, as it seemed. So she's in her cell, her bedroom, where she would go, their cloister. And even there, she was experiencing these mystical visions. And so she saw Jesus exposed in the monstrance in the sky. And at the feet of Jesus, I saw my confessor. And behind him, a great number of all the highest-ranking ecclesiastics clothed in vestments like the one of which I'd never seen except in this vision. And behind them, groups of religious from various orders. And further still, I saw enormous crowds of people which extended far beyond my vision. She's seeing all of this communion of saints, Jesus there and her confessor, but this communion of saints who is interceding for her. And then she says, I saw two rays coming out from the host, as, if, as in the image, closely but not intermingled, and they passed through the hands of my confessor, and then the hands of the clergy, and from there the hands to the people, and then they returned to the host. And in that moment, I saw myself once again in the cell which I had just entered. So she's given this mystical vision of Jesus in the host, sacramentally, but also the, the, her, her confessor, the priest, and the, the, the rays of mercy coming forward from his hands. I'm saying this just because she is talking about what a wonderful opportunity we have to be able to adore our Lord. What an opportunity we have to be able to, to experience him in confession, his love and mercy. That same day when I was in church waiting for confession, I saw the, rays the same rays issuing from the monstrance throughout the church, so in the actual church, and that lasted through the service. After the benediction, the rays shone out to both sides and returned again to the monstrance. 
Their appearance was bright and transparent like crystal. I love this, too, because she just asked Jesus then. She goes, I asked Jesus that he deigned to light a fire of his love in, a soul, in all souls that were cold. Beneath these rays, a heart will grow warm, if it were even like a block of ice. Even if it were hard as rock, it will crumble in the dust. I invite you, if you ever have somebody that's struggling and is... And is um, been away from God or away from the church, and you're not sure even what to say to them or what to do with them, bring them up here to be with Jesus. Let them sit before him in the blessed sacrament, before those rays of his light that can soften even the hardest heart. There was another time that they were celebrating the Feast of Divine Mercy, and toward the end of the service, when the priest took the Blessed Sacrament to bless the people, she says, I saw the Lord Jesus as he, as he was represented in the image, and the Lord gave his blessing, and the rays extended over the whole world. And so that happens every time that, the, that we're blessed with the monstrance as well. The rays of Divine Mercy are coming forth. Suddenly, she says, I saw an impenetrable brightness in the form of a crystal dwelling place, woven together from waves of brilliance, unapproachable to both creatures and spirits. Three doors led to these resplendence. At that moment, Jesus, as he is represented in the image, entered this resplendence through the second door to the unity within. It is a triple united, which is incomprehensible, which is infinity. I heard a voice. This feast emerged from the very depths of my mercy, and it is confirmed in the vast depths of my tender mercies. Every soul believing and trusting in my mercy will obtain it. So every soul believing and trusting in God's mercy will obtain it. And I just ask you to think about that. Do you believe in it? Do you believe in him? Yes, Lord, I do believe. Do you believe in his tender mercy? Yes, Lord, I do believe. Do you believe that he is love? Yes, Lord, I do believe. On the Feast of the Sacred Heart, she went to the Jesuits to, to pray and uh, to take place for the procession of the Sacred Heart during the Vespers. She says, I saw the same rays coming forth from the sacred host, just as they are painted on the image. My soul was filled with great longing for God. So we're seeing over and over again, Jesus is revealing himself in a very mystical way where she would see him in, in, in bodily form, his resurrected body. But he's also revealing himself in the Eucharist. And he's also re revealing himself in the priesthood, and confession especially. All of the sacraments of the church today are our experiences, our primary experiences of God. We have the sacraments because, just like Thomas, who wanted to touch the side of Christ, to put his hand into his side, we are, we are sacramental people. We need 
to be able to see, taste, touch, hear God's voice. And we have this opportunity in the sacraments. We can see him. He's right there. We hear his voice in the Eucharist. We can touch him when we give each other the sign of peace at Mass, the body of Christ. We taste him when we receive him. All of these, he wants us to experience him in the senses. She said, one time the image was being exhibited over the altar during the Corpus Christi procession. And when the priest exposed the blessed sacrament, the choir began to sing. The rays from the image pierced the sacred host and spread out again through the whole world. Then I heard these words. These rays of mercy will pass through you. Just as they have passed through this host, and they will go out through all the world. At these words, profound joy invaded my soul. She realized that divine mercy would be now coming forth from her. When you receive communion at Mass, you become one with Jesus. And that divine mercy is in you. And so that means that everywhere you go, those rays are emanating. You may not even see them, but they're emanating forth from you to every soul that you meet. Jesus told her once, he said, I remind you, my daughter, that as often as you hear the clock strike the third hour, immerse yourself completely in my mercy, adoring and glorifying it, invoking its omnipotence for the whole world, and particularly for poor sinners. For at that moment, mercy was opened wide for every soul. So I want you to, I encourage you to really think about that when we pray the chaplet for divine mercy, to really pray for and intercede some of the poor souls that you can, that, that come to your mind and to your heart. Who are the most hardened sinners that you know? Because he wants even them to obtain mercy. In this hour, you can obtain everything for yourself and for others. So that's a great thing, isn't it? We can obtain the mercy of God for ourselves in this hour, but also for, for anyone else that we, we call to mind in prayer. It is an hour of grace for the whole world where mercy will triumph over justice. He encouraged her uh, to pray throughout the day. And he said, especially during times when you find that you're busy, at least stop by and spend time and adore me and my blessed sacrament, my heart, which is full of mercy. And should you be unable to step into the chapel, immerse yourself in prayer there where you happen to be, if only for a brief instant. I claim veneration for my mercy from every creature, but above all, from you, since it is to you that I have given the most profound understanding of this mercy. I think he could say the same thing to us. Whenever you're seeking his mercy for you or for someone else, try to come to the church or any church, wherever you may be driving, and pray before the blessed sacrament. Be close to him in the Eucharist. 
and he knows there may be times that you, that you may not be, be able to get up there. And, you know, so that those could be times that you do look at the Divine Mercy image or recite the Divine Mercy cha uh, um, chaplet or at least say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. She says that to, pro to profit from those great gifts, we must first fulfill the conditions of divine mercy devotion. And the first condition is always trust. Trust in his mercy. So trust in God's goodness and active love toward our neighbor. Be in the state of sanctifying grace. Having gone to confession and worthily received Holy Communion, Jesus explained to her, no soul will be justified until it turns with confidence to my mercy. And this is why the first Sunday after Easter shall be called the Divine Mercy Sunday. So no soul shall be justified until it turns to my mercy. I've told you before that I think uh, sometimes when people come to confession, they say, Father, I have no sin. You know, my, my joke, but not really a joke, is like, well, your sin is probably pride, right? Because we all have sin. But Jesus is saying, we can't justify our sins. We can't take away our own sin. We can't erase it or blot it out. He's saying that we need to come to him with mercy. This is an interesting one, too, for people that are faithful, I would say probably yourselves who are here today, and sometimes wondering whether or not I should receive communion. And that used to be a... a it still is, but um, more taught, am I in the state of grace? Am I in the state of grace? That we should only receive communion in the state of grace. And I would say if you're going to daily mass, if you're coming to confession regularly, if you're praying daily, you're probably in the straight state of grace. But she was struggling with this, and she said, once I desired very much to receive Holy Communion, but I had a certain doubt and did not go. I suffered greatly because of this, and it seemed to me that my heart would burst from the pain. When I set about to work, my heart was full of bitterness. Jesus suddenly stood by me and said, My daughter, do not omit Holy Communion unless you know well that your fall was serious. And I would say this to all of you. Do not omit Holy Communion unless you know full well that your fall was serious. Apart from this, no doubt must stop you from uniting yourself with me in the mystery of my love. Your minor faults will disappear in my love, like a piece of straw thrown into a great furnace. Know that you grieve me much when you fail to receive me in holy communion. So I hope that might give comfort to, to some of us, especially if anybody's scrupulous and struggles with that, to trust in his mercy. During Holy Mass, my love for him reached a peak of intensity. And after the renewal of my vows and Holy Communion, I suddenly saw the Lord Jesus, who said to me with great kindness, my daughter, look at my merciful heart. And as I fixed my gaze on his sacred heart, the same rays of light as are represented in the image of blood and water came forth from it, and I understood how great is the Lord's mercy. Again, Jesus said to me with kindness, my daughter, Speak to the priests about my inconceivable mercy of mine. 
So if you're not a parishioner here, speak to your priest about divine mercy and uh, give them a, a diary and an image. The flames of mercy are burning me and clamoring to be spent. I want to keep pouring them out upon souls. Souls just don't want to believe in my goodness. One day after receiving communion, she said, Jesus told me how much he desires to come to human hearts. I desire to unite myself with human souls. My great delight is to unite myself with souls. Know, my daughter, that when I come to a human heart in Holy Communion, my hands are full of all kinds of graces, which I want to give to the soul, but the soul does not even pay attention to me. They leave me to myself and busy themselves with other, other things. Oh, how sad I am that souls do not recognize love. They treat me like a dead object. Can you hear the pain of the father on that one? They treat me like a dead object. And yet he's alive in us. After we receive communion, his grace, he's, he's, he's so united with us that the graces are just flowing, and so whenever, whatever you need or um, want for in life, ask him while you receive communion. He also revealed and said how painful it is to me that souls seldom unite themselves to me in Holy Communion. I wait for souls, and they are indifferent to me. I love them tenderly and sincerely, and they detrust, distrust me. I want to lavish my grace on them, and they do not want to accept it. They treat me as a dead object, whereas the heart is full of love and mercy, in order that they may know at least some of my pain. Imagine the most tender of mothers who has great love for her children, while those children spurn and love her. Consider her pain. No one is alone. No one is in a position to console her. This must be a feeble image and likeness of my love. So Jesus is just sharing with us, and you, pro you probably have this pain, as do I, where you want to just share the love that we have in the Eucharist, and people can treat it like a dead object, or treat us like a dead object. So just a few more points here that she makes. Right, he says, speak of my mercy. I've always encouraged you to journal when you pray. Because for Faustina, this is how she experienced God, was in her journaling. She would hear his voice. He would uh, work as, as her pen moved. But she said, he said, tell souls where they are to look for solace. That is, in the tribunal of mercy, the sacrament of reconciliation. So the, the tribunal is a, is a canonical word. That's the, the, the court downtown, our legal, our canonical court for church. So when annulment cases go before the tribunal or other cases go before the tribunal, he's saying the, sacra the, the sacrament is the tribunal of his mercy. Like that's the place where we go to court and we could be given our, our, our due justice, but he gives us mercy. It's the tribunal of mercy. There the greatest miracle takes place are incessantly repeated. So he says right here what just happened in the, in the confessional, the greatest miracle that can take place on this earth happens in the confessional. Sins are forgiven. 
And he says to avail oneself to this miracle, it's not necessary to go on a pilgrimage or to carry out some external ceremony. It suffices to come with faith to the feet of my representative and reveal to him one's misery. And the miracle of divine mercy will be fully demonstrated. Sometimes people aren't sure what to say in confession, and that might be a good thing I, I start saying to people. What, what are you miserable about? What makes you miserable? He says, bring that misery to me in confession. We're like a soul. We are a soul like a decaying corpse so that from human standpoint, there would be no hope of restoration. Everything would be lost. It's not so with God. So he says, when we're in a sinful state, we're like, we're, we are like this um, ghost of a body. But he says, the miracle of divine mercy restores the soul in full. How miserable are those who do not take advantage of God's mercy. You will call out in vain, but it will be too late. Jesus says, my child, make the resolution never to rely on people. Entrust yourself completely to my will, saying, not as I want, but according to your will. O oh God, let it be done to me. These words, spoken from the depths of one's heart, can raise a soul to the summit of sanctity in the shortest time. So if you want to be a saint, just say this to God over and over again. Not as I want, Lord, but according to your will. Not as I want, according to your will. In such a soul I delight, such a soul gives me glory. Such a soul fills heaven with the fragrance of a virtue. But understand that the strength by which you bear sufferings comes from frequent reception of communion, receiving communion often. So approach this fountain of mercy often to draw with the vessel of trust whenever you need. My child, that you may answer my call worthily, receive me daily in holy communion. It will give you strength. But I want to tell you that eternal life must begin already here on earth through holy communion. Each holy communion makes you more capable of communing with God throughout eternity. So we celebrate this Feast of Divine Mercy Sunday as we enter into this time of Eucharistic revival that we may be so drawn and in love with receiving our Lord Jesus and allowing his will to be done and not ours. We're going to recite the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I'm also going to be blessing objects at the, at the end, so if you have any holy items that want, you would like to be blessed, we will bless those as well.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, eternal truth, our life, I call upon you, and I beg your mercy for poor sinners. O sweetest heart of my Lord, full of pity and unfathomable mercy, I plead for you for poor sinners. O most sacred heart, fount of mercy, from which gush forth rays of inconceivable graces, upon the entire human race, I beg you light for poor sinners. O Jesus, be mindful of your own bitter passion, and do not permit the loss of souls redeemed at so dear a price of your most precious blood. O Jesus, when I consider the great price of your blood, I rejoice at its immensity, for one drop alone would have been enough for the salvation of all sinners. Although sin is an, abysmal, uh, an abyss of wickedness and ingratitude, the price paid for us can never be equaled. Therefore, let every soul trust in the passion of our Lord and place its hope in mercy. God will not, not deny his mercy to anyone. Heaven and earth may change, but God's mercy will never be exhausted. Oh, what immense joy burns in my heart when I contemplate your incomprehensible goodness, O Jesus. I desire to bring all sinners to your feet, that you may glorify your mercy throughout endless ages. You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth from souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world, O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy. Envelop the whole world and empty yourself upon it. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. O blood of water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy, I trust in you. O blood of water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy, I trust in you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 
for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 
for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for sins and those of the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Mortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Mortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. O greatly merciful God, infinite goodness, today all mankind calls out from the abyss of its mercy to your mercy, to your compassion, O God, and it is with its mighty voice of misery that it cries out, Gracious God, do not reject the prayer of the earth's exiles. O Lord, goodness beyond our understanding, who are acquainted with our misery through and through, and know that by our own power we cannot ascend to you. We implore you, anticipate us with your grace, and keep, us, keep on increasing your mercy in us, that we may faithfully do your holy will all throughout our life and at our death's hour. Let the omnipotence of your mercy shield us from the darts of salvation's enemies, that we may suffer confidence as your children, await your son's final coming, that day knowing that you alone, and when we expect to obtain everything promised by Jesus in spite of all of our wretchedness, for Jesus is our hope, through his merciful heart, as through an open gate, we pass through to heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the promises that Jesus gives, if a sinner just pray it once their whole life, but he also promises that if you pray it at, at the, the bedside of somebody that is dying, that they will receive that same grace, a complete remission of sin and punishment, and, and enter right into eternal life. So if you're not able to get a priest there, um, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet with them. I mean, do both, do it either way, but but take comfort in knowing that you have that uh, to do as well. I would encourage every home to have a Divine Mercy image in it as well, so you can either go on online or check out our religious goods stores and see if uh, they have any to your liking. Linda came with the Prodigal Father. They do have some smaller Divine Mercy images that are there uh, as well if you're interested in that. And um, keep inviting people to confession, to God's wonderful mercy. If you have objects that you would like to be blessed, if you want, just want to hold those in your hands now, hold them up a little bit. I'm going to bless all of those objects as well.